Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera editing and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. It's time to laugh, learn, and take your photography to the next level with your favorite Cowgirls with Cameras, Kara, Kim, and Phyllis. Welcome to the Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. I'm Kim with Kim Beer Photography and Be More Business. I'm Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And I'm Phyllis with Phyllis Burchette Photo. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good morning, Phyllis. Good morning, Kara. Morning. It's been a little bit since we've been on a podcast, but the three of us have had a lot of together FaceTime in the past little bit. <laughs> so that's sort of fun. I absolutely love it. Let's see. What has everybody been up to? And we're still speaking to each other. <laughs> yeah. I've almost recovered from the beach. <laughs> the stress of weather on the beach. I've almost recovered. You did an amazing job. We did an amazing job. It was a it was a whirlwind of a weekend. I'm not going to lie. You did most of it. <laughs> you both did an amazing job. Well, just big thanks to everybody who came out and joined us and just being patient with the weather scares and being willing to kind of do whatever it takes to get as much shooting in as we could. So I just big thank yous to everyone. It was a, and then the models, I mean, everything was so good. Everything was great. It was really a fun, amazing, full of photographic opportunity weekend. <laughs> and I got to say the floral arranging on that one wreath was absolutely five star, right? <laughs> oh, on that wreath. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> yep. It was well done, Kim. Your crafts, arts and crafts skills are on par. I had so much fun with that. And happy birthday to you again, Kim. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, I got to celebrate my birthday. Everybody's asked me, you know, like, how was your birthday? And I'm like, I got to spend it with my good friends in Florida. I got to go to the beach on my birthday, which I do believe is a first in my entire life. I've got to go to the beach Aww, on my birthday. That's awesome. And it just, it was really nice. I got to enjoy a very gluten-y cake, which I probably shouldn't have eaten, but it was delicious. And yeah, it was an amazingly good birthday. I got to photograph horses. Don't forget Mexican food. I did get to eat some Mexican food. That was fun too. It was a very good restaurant. Everything was really nice over the entire week. And I got to really enjoy spending that time and, and shooting. And I was deep involved in a novel too. So it was a little bit of downtime for me because that's Kara and Phyllis's rodeo, not mine. I just come along as a guest on that one. So it was kind of fun. Although I do have vicarious adrenaline trauma from 
Kara's weather worries. <laughs> and now we're switching to, you know, instead of praying for sun and beautiful, we're praying for snow. <laughs> so it's such a... I know we're going from the beaches of Florida to the snow of Colorado. Yes, I'm excited. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. Did we talk last time? I can't remember because it's been a little bit. So I don't think we have. We haven't done an episode since Phyllis and I went to imaging, have we? No. Do you want to give an update about imaging? Go ahead. Yeah. So Phyllis and I got to go to Imaging USA in, where did we go, Phyllis? Kentucky? <laughs> Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. Louisville, Louisville. Yeah, we learned how to not say Louisville. Yes, not Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville, Louisville. That's what you're supposed to say, I think. Louisville. Louisville, yeah. Louisville. whatever. <laughs> it's in Kentucky. It was fun and interesting and it get interesting to hang out with our fellow photographers for a few days. And we got to meet a lot of new people and some people that we had been friends with that we'd never met before and hang out with old friends too. It was fun. Yeah, it was very interesting. And we terribly missed having Kara there because it feels weird now for two of us to be somewhere when the third one isn't. I feel like it's hard to operate without our third tripod leg sometimes. <laughs> I understand. You guys need a buffer. We're a little rocky. <laughs> yep, you need a buffer. Well, actually, we got along really well. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> we did get along really well. As a matter of fact, I think Phyllis and I, we, we sort of just went everywhere together, <laughs> which was sort of interesting. Well, the pictures were hilarious. You looked like you were having the absolute best time. And Kim picked up a new friend, too. So I did. I was almost thinking she was, you know, I was being replaced there for a while. Yes, I got a rubber chicken. It couldn't replace Phyllis, but I won it at the ISAP booth, International Society of Animal Photographers. They had a little whirly thing, and I saw this chicken on the table, the ugly like rubber chicken. And I'm like, oh, I want to spin for the chicken, and I hope I get the chicken. And so I used my powers of my mind and made the thing stop on the chicken, and I had it. And then I photographed everything with the chicken. The chicken experienced Imaging USA. And he had quite a good time. And then he got to come to the beach. So he was there as well. It was fun. Well, speaking of all the weathers. <laughs> all the weathers. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Well, I guess that was my cue to intro the episode. <laughs> I didn't know if anybody else had any other catch-ups. Well, I tried. I tried setting you up for it. It didn't go so well. <laughs> it's all good. So speaking of all of the weathers, today's episode is about shooting in what we're, we're kind of going to term extreme conditions or in weather. So we have each divided up a topic and are going to talk about shooting in the wetter, damper type of situations. We're going to talk about shooting in dust and dirt. That's my particular one. I'm the queen of dust and dirt. Then we're also going to talk about what we're going to be doing here in another week, which is photographing horses in the snow and photographing in the colder and snowier environments. So super excited about this particular topic because I think it's something that the three of us routinely get questions on before every single event. How do I handle these different situations with my camera gear? And then also, how do I handle these different situations as an artist? What are some tips around being able to get correct exposure, really nice looking photos in those different environments? Do you guys have anything to add before I jump into dust and dirt and mud? 
I would just add that it's always something we're dealing with. And I think that photographers can get stuck in this place where it's got to be sunny or it's got to be pretty light or it ha- the truth is, is that the world doesn't always look that way. And there's so much interesting, so many interesting things you can shoot when you're willing to kind of get uncomfortable and shoot in weather that is questionable. It's just more about kind of knowing how to handle those conditions and being brave about it. And then how to care for your gear afterwards to make sure that it lasts for a while longer. (laughs) Amen to all of that. I think of this song, Kodachrome, if you've ever heard that song about, makes you think of all the worlds in a sunny day. Go look up the song Kodachrome when we get off of here. I'm old. Phyllis has heard it. (laughs) I remember it. Yes. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking that, you know, you're right though, like dust and fog and snow, that's my three favorite things to shoot in. So. Because it's interesting, right? It's interesting. And it's more of a challenge. And I think as you grow in your photography, those challenges become more fun. I think in the beginning, they bring up a lot of frustration. And I know that the topic I'm going to be talking about first, which is backlit dust, is something that causes our participants in a lot of our workshops a lot of frustration because they're not really sure of how to shoot it or how to edit it. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat that the three of us kind of had a little conversation prior to this episode where we talked a little bit about this. And I even did some Googling because I always worry my way is, I tend to be a little bit of a rogue. My way may not be the way that the rest of the world wants to do something. So I try to temper the education that I give people to be not only the way I do it, but the way other people, you know, have done that. And there is little to no information about how to shoot backlit in dust out there in the world. There isn't. There's a lot of information about how to do good backlit photography, which is a technique that I think we all three absolutely love. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about those situations where you have a dusty arena and you're moving horses in the dust, stirring it up, And it almost, it's an ambiance. It's a, and in equine and Western photography, it's part of what tells the story, right? Because it is a dusty, gritty, dirty environment that you're shooting in. And you want to bring across that dusty, gritty, dirty, dirty environment that you're in. You want to show your subjects in that so that people can get a good feel for what that feels like. So I'm going to give you what my consensus is on how I do this technique. And I'm going to encourage you to do something, which is experiment. So I want to have my shapes within the dust. So first of all, in order to shoot backlit dust, you have to have the sun at a certain angle. There's a time of morning where the sun is very low on the horizon where it's shining in and it will make the dust light up. I've seen Phyllis's images. I've seen my own images. I've seen Kara's images where that dust is, it's like layers of curtains inside of the image. And I think it's so transparent curtains. It's so cool. But you have to have the sun at a very direct angle to behind the dirt that you're shooting because that's what it takes to light that dust up. And you're lucky if you get 10 minutes. Yeah, you're lucky if you get 10 minutes of that. So it's a very short window of time, a little bit like silhouettes and some other things that we shoot. 
the sun has to be in the right spot in order for you to do it. So if you're failing at getting backlit dust done right, ask yourself if that is the very first thing you need to troubleshoot is where is the sun in relation to your camera. And it's best if you're shooting directly into the sun because that's going to give you the most backlight on your dust and dirt. So exposing, I want to expose for the shapes in the dust. When I expose for the shapes in the dust to be, I don't want a lot of detail in those shapes. I want some detail, but I want to be able to see the shapes, not quite like a silhouette, but kind of start tweaking your mind to think a little bit like a silhouette, but not exactly. But what we're going to want to do is have those shapes be defined, which in that case, what we're going to do is probably expose a little bit more for the highlights, I'm going to tell you it is a game of guessing. You cannot trust your camera. If you're working with a mirrorless, you cannot trust what you see through the viewfinder, even with the electronic pre-done viewfinder things that are in these new mirrorless cameras. It's not completely trustworthy. You do need to be looking at the back of your camera frequently to see, am I getting what I want to get? And if you're shooting backlit in a darker background, I know this sounds a little counterintuitive, but try dropping your exposure down a bit, maybe even as much as two stops to see if that doesn't help get the right feel with the backlit behind what you're doing. So check the back of your camera often, move your feet a lot because you're going to have a lot of lens flare in any type of a backlit shooting situation. And the best way to minimize that is to keep the sun at the edge of your lens and use your lens hood, number one, big thing. As a matter of fact, it's one of my best pet peeves when we get photographers on location for one of our workshops is to ask them if they don't have their lens hood on, why do you not have your lens hood? And if it's on backwards, why is it still on backwards? Not only is it effective for helping you shoot in these type of situations, it keeps dogs' noses off your lens. So. It has multifunctions. <laughs> dog noses? What do you got against dog noses? <laughs> well, I have against dog noses when they put their nose print right on the end of my lens. It also helps if you drop your camera. It does. That will actually protect your lens. Or bang it on something. Yeah. So your lens hood serves a purpose. There's a reason why it came with your camera. So make sure you're using it. And they even sell things. I bought one but haven't had a chance to use it. They sell things that you can put on your lens hood that expand it to help you be able to reduce the amount of flare. I can tell you another thing that really helps with reducing flare that you don't want because it can disturb an image. There are sometimes this flare is artistic and then there are times that flare is just ruins the photo. So you've got to be able to choose as best you can how to get those things in the situation. but. If you want to get good, if you want to reduce the flare and get artistic flare, you've got to take the filter off your lens. If you shoot with a UV filter or you shoot with a polarity filter on the end of your lens, even ones that are just there to protect it, you need to pull that off because flare happens as light refracts inside the lens. And if it's bouncing between the lens and the filter, it makes a lot more flare. So pull that filter off. 
And here's the downside to that. (laughs) You got to keep your lens clean too. So anytime you're shooting backlit, you're going to exaggerate the dust on the front of the lens. And so I recommend at all points in time when you're shooting in dust and dirt that you keep two lens cloths on your human at all time. One lens cloth is clean and it's meant to take off dust and it's meant to take off things that are not stuck. So it's it's really very clean. And then the other one, because you can't talk about dust and dirt without talking about mud. Mud happens. And I don't know how many times I have been splattered with mud as an equine photographer. Horses naturally stick their kind of big fat feet in the mud and it splatters everywhere and it gets on your lenses and it gets on your camera equipment and you need something to get it off. So I always carry a separate lens cloth. I have those ones that pin to my camera strap so I don't lose them, but I carry a separate one that is specific for mud because it's got caked on stuff on it. I'll use it to get the first layer off and then I'll take my cleaner one and use it to clean up after that because mud is horrible. It smears all over the place if you try to clean it up with the same cloth. And yes, I live in Missouri with a lot of mud. (laughs) So if you are a couple of other tips that I want to give you guys in shooting in dirt and mud, if you're going to be shooting the person as a portrait, do that first before you start doing your action shots with the model. Because once they get dirty, you cause yourself a whole lot more Photoshop work. So just be mindful of that. And if you're doing that backlit dust thing, you only have that little quick 10 minutes, you may have to reverse that because that 10 minutes may happen before the light is sufficient enough or good enough for you to be able to get your portraits in. But for the most type, we want to get our portraits done before we start getting everything filthy dirty. I spent a lot of my career photographing rainers. And rainers love it when dirt flies. Like, that's the thing. They feel like they've accomplished something. One of my uh, clients told me one time, she said, I feel like I became an official rainer when I had dirt in my bra after all my stops. So they want that dirt spraying up in the air. And I spent a lot of time photographing or photoshopping extra dirt in their images. Sometimes I even did it once where I totally exaggerated it as a joke. It was so funny. But moving dirt requires a high shutter speed in order for you to be able to freeze the arena footing as it flies up in the air. It requires a high shutter speed, very similar to probably what Kara is going to talk about when she talks about water and freezing water. So it needs to be a thousand and above. She's shaking her head. She wasn't going to help that. But so water drops and dirt, you need to have a shutter speed of at least a thousand in order to freeze it effectively. A couple of camera tips I want to impart, send your camera in every six months or so for a professional cleaning because your sensor is going to get really dirty. Horses are equine environments. We don't shoot in a studio. We shoot in environments where there is a lot of dust and dirt just in the average thing, let alone when you're going for wanting to, to show that grit. So your camera does get very dirty. So make sure that you are sending it in regularly for cleanings. If you get mud in delicate places on your camera, or if you drop a card in the dirt or mud, gentle is the key. So don't just whack your lens cloth up against it and pull. 
you want to make sure you go very gently in getting dust and dirt off of anything like that, because the sensors, that dirt, if you grind on it, it grinds into the lens glass or it grinds into the sensor on the card. So be careful. Q-tips help you get dirt out and around little areas inside your camera. The better equipment that you buy, the better it'll be sealed and the less dirt that is going to get inside of it. The more expensive cameras and more expensive lenses are really designed to be in weather type environments. So that applies for dust and dirt. Please do not open, take the lens off your camera and leave your camera's sensor exposed or even the back of your lens exposed in a dirty environment. So this is a huge pet peeve of mine because sensor dust is really obnoxious and it ruins really good photos at times. So don't do that because that's where all of the dust and dirt gets into your camera. If you need to change lenses in the field, find the least dirty environment available. If there's a truck or a car available, get in it to change your lens. You can also, if you're in a situation where a lot of places we go, the cars are so, they've been on dirt roads for so long that you open the back of them and like puffs of dirt come up. So in those environments, you can actually get something called a changing bag where you can put your camera body and your lens inside of a bag, stick your arms in there and change your lens. I used to have one of those. I don't change lenses much anymore. I have two cameras and that's kind of what I shoot with. Auto clean your sensor often. So every time you turn your camera on and off, check your sensor for dust spots. The best way to do that is to set your f-stop at f22. I usually do this on aperture priority. So it sets the shutter speed because I don't care. Shoot up into a bright blue sky, not at the sun, but in a part where the sun's not shining. So you have a singular kind of a blue gradient, and then you zoom in on different areas on your sensor, like pull it all the way up to 100% on the back of the camera, and then just move across, and you'll be able to see the dust spots where they are on the sensor. If you are a daring soul and you want to clean your own sensor, there's two different ways to do it there's the wet and the dry. I do not recommend that you use the wet cleaning. Wet cleaning is much more difficult to manage for a novice environment. I prefer to leave wet cleaning to the professionals. I will, however, do dry cleaning. The tool that I use for it is made by Visible Dust, and it's called an Arctic Butterfly. And you can buy them on B&H. It's a little thing that whirls around. There's instruction that comes with it. It has saved my ass at I don't know how many photo shoots to help me get dust off of my sensor and be able to, to proceed. That's dust, dirt, and mud. It was a lot, I know, but it's what we live in, right? A lot of it overlaps into what Phyllis and I are talking about as well. So you gave them a good overview on basic camera cleaning and care and all of that. So that's all good stuff. Do you want me to jump into heat and humidity and all of the wets weathers now? Yes, please. Sure. Okay, I could do that. So one of the things that I do all the time is shoot in heat, humidity, damp, mist, fog, wet weather. It's just the nature of living in Florida and doing sessions Even when it's not raining in Florida, you're still shooting through humidity and humidity is moisture. Sometimes you're still shooting through fog. Fog is moisture. 
all of that is just wet. You shoot through a lot of atmosphere in Florida and thinking about, even though it's not raining outside, if you think about your camera protection in terms of it is raining outside, you're going to be in good shape because anytime you're shooting in super humid conditions, foggy conditions, misty conditions, even if it's not raining, you still have to think about your gear in terms of it's getting wet, even though it doesn't feel that instant gratification of it getting wet. Just a couple things. If you know you're going to be shooting in outdoor weather conditions that are humid, rainy, foggy, misty, definitely consider when you can upgrading and investing in sealed camera gear. A lot of times you can go online and look to see how your gear is rated for weather. When we were putting this episode together, I went online and I was just looking at my cameras that I currently have and looking to see how they're all rated in terms of weather protection. And so you can do that very easily. So if you don't know if your gear is sealed, you want to check the camera body and check your camera lens. Sometimes they can be rated differently. So just check that out. If you have sealed gear, it will help with the lifespan of your camera. They're just really designed to withstand moisture and dust better than non-sealed gear. So a couple of things to think about when shooting in heat and humidity, just kind of those wetter conditions. One of the things that happens to me all the time that I've gotten so much better over the years at preparing for is dealing with sudden temperature changes. Now, I don't know, Phyllis, maybe you can let us know when you get to the cold, snowy section, but I know in the hot conditions that I shoot in, when I get out of my air-conditioned car and if I pull open my bag in the back seat of my truck and I pull my camera out, the first thing it does is it just totally fogs over. Everything fogs over. And it's because I'm moving from a super cold condition out into a hot condition. And it's just that those human outdoor conditions from the cold air condition environments, they can cause condensation to form on the outside of your gear, but also on the inside of your gear. If you shoot with filters and that sort of thing, it can get inside the filter. So you really want to keep that in mind. One of the things that I do now at all of my Florida shoots is when I get to a location, I make sure that I can acclimate my gear. I build that time in so that I can minimize that risk. So I'll get to a location. The first thing I do when I jump out of the truck is I grab my bag out of the back seat and I pull it out and set it on my tailgate and just kind of open it up and let it sit. I just let it sit and adjust to the conditions. That gives me time then. I will then use that time to unpack the rest of my stuff that I need for the shoot, scope location if I haven't done that already, talk to my clients, just kind of get the lay of the land and just let my gear sit there and acclimate to the climate. I have found that if I do that, I don't have any issues. If I try to jump right into shooting, it ends up being a whole thing where we're standing around, I'm wiping my lens, I'm just trying to make something happen because the pressure is on. That is just one tip that I can give right away that I think is a good one that has really worked for me the last couple of years. Also, something that sounds kind of silly but makes a big difference is going and getting yourself some of those silica gel packs. You can go on Amazon and buy them in large quantity. They're not expensive. You can get a big box of them. They even make them now that they will tell you when they're done, like they've got too much moisture in them already and their their useful life is over. And they have some that you can buy that are reusable. So you can get them use them in your bag. When they get to the point where they're not working well anymore, it gives you like the color changes and then you can dry them out again and reuse them later. Definitely just throw some of those in your bag, have them handy and don't think that those things last forever because they don't. 
use protective gear. And I will tell people if it is, you know, Kim has already mentioned, use your hood. Your hood is important, but also equip your gear, have rain covers. I have been on site and grabbed a trash bag and put that on. Rain covers are probably a better bet in terms of they're made to fit the shape of your camera and maybe are easy to work around. But I've done shoots where I've had a trash bag on my camera and my head inside the trash bag. And I'm looking through at the scene and I'm just trying to keep my gear from getting too wet. And that can be good for things like splashes and humidity as well. If you're shooting on like a really foggy morning and you feel like you're shooting through a lot of moisture, like you can see that moisture in front of your lens and between you and your subject, you know it's wet outside and you probably need to have rain gear on your camera. Do I do that all the time? I don't. My gear is sealed. So I do spend some time, but I do. I keep the cloths handy. I'm kind of wiping them down as we go. Just kind of always keeping in mind that your gear is getting wet in those conditions. And once again, definitely clean and dry your gear after a shoot. So if you've been out shooting in really humid or wet conditions, you don't want to just throw that camera back in the bag and shut your bag up and then take off down the road. Take the time to go ahead and dry your gear off, wipe off all the moisture and debris, and just make sure that before you stick it down inside of your camera bag that you've given it a good dry. This is going to help prevent mold, corrosion, and just all the other little nasty surprises that come up when your camera gets moist and is put in your bag. The other thing that I will tell you, just as another tip, like Kim said, you've got to be on top of keeping your gear clean when you're shooting consistently in wet conditions. I send my gear out twice a year. I send it out once for like regular routine maintenance. And then usually I send it out again when we finish our all of our out west shoots because there's just dust in all the crevices. So I always send my gear out twice a year for maintenance and just regular service, cleanup, checkups, those sort of things. Okay, so let's talk about rain specifically. Rain is awesome. Shooting in rain can be, or rain-ish conditions can really add some mood and drama to your photos. So I would encourage people to not be afraid to kind of lean into this. And I know that there are times when your client, you have a client brief and they want sunlit pictures. You know that's what they want. Of course, you're going to have to reschedule. But I would encourage people, if they've never done it before, to try to plan for a rainy day shoot. Like figure out maybe somebody that's willing to be game to jump in the car on a rainy day or you know, that's willing to just get out and get wet and try things out. Because I think you would be surprised at some of the unique and creative things that you can do. Rainy days add just, they can add a whole new storytelling piece to your imagery. And I think sometimes as photographers, we forget that the world isn't just sunshiny days or that perfect overcast day for shooting. The world is made up of rain and humidity and fog and snow and ice and sleet and hail. It's all of those things. Does that mean we want to drag ourselves out into it all the time? Of course not. But sometimes when you get uncomfortable and you get out in those conditions, you learn things, you create something really new and different that other people aren't creating because they don't want to get out in the weather. So don't be so afraid to do that. If you're shooting in rain, look for things that are different. Look for reflections and puddles. Look for droplets, you know, in places that like windows or on just anything that you're shooting. A misty landscape, for example, can make really cool shots. One of the images that gets licensed for me 
often is an image that I took early morning at a horse show. And it was just a girl leading her horse across an arena, but it was, the sun had come up and it was so foggy and she was backlit and she was like this dark silhouette in this kind of orangey haze. You see no arena, you see no surroundings. It's just a girl in the fog. And that image, because of all the negative space and the moodiness of it, and the fact that you don't know who the person is, but it could be anyone, gets licensed a lot. And it was just a simple image that I grabbed just on the sly as I was standing at the side of the arena waiting for the fog to go away. So don't be afraid to take those pictures. As gloomy as rain can feel, it can enhance colors and bring out the contrast in your photos, making things really rich. We saw that this weekend at the Horses on the Beach workshop when we shot out at Princess Place Preserve. Our models were wearing these beautiful gowns and the theme was floral. So they had these really beautiful, colorful flowers in their hair and garlands and stuff like that happening. And the colors that the photographers are getting in their imagery is so rich and it's just so full of contrast and beauty. And I don't know, it just really brings something different to the table. I don't have regrets about that. So definitely keep an eye out for things that have color, like vibrant tech sets, the wardrobe of your client. Grasses will be less radioactive, yellowy green in that type of condition. And then look for different colors of foliage against your backdrops, a beautiful sky. All of those things can be really incredible in those conditions. Definitely, as Kim was saying, she was mentioning shutter speed in terms of water. Take the time to experiment with your camera settings. So spend some time changing your depth of field, spend some time changing your shutter speed, and just see how it changes the way that the water moves, the water droplets. If you are freezing the water droplets versus having that blurry water look around your subjects, it can be really cool and totally change the feel of that image. So play around with that. So let's talk a little bit about humidity, which is probably the thing I shoot in like every day here in Florida. Use the haze of humidity to your advantage and try to embrace it when you're forced to shoot in it all the time. So one of the things I say all the time is when I'm shooting in Florida, I forget that my images feel, I call them drippy. They just feel drippy and they feel and that has to do with shooting through so much humidity and just that hot, hazy environment. So when I go out west, my images feel so much clearer because you're not shooting through so much moisture. I say lean into it because it can really give you a kind of a dreamy quality to your photos. Really lean into it by shooting during those golden hours of sunrise and sunset when the light's soft and warm. The moisture in the air, I think, just makes it even creamier and dreamier. So keep that in mind. And I'll add that polarizing filters, if you've got one in your bag or you want to try one, pull it out because it can help kind of cut through some of that haze and enhance the contrast in your images and just make those colors pop even more in humidity. So just a little note there. Okay, let's talk briefly about fog. I already mentioned that one of my most licensed images for stock imagery is a foggy, a foggy day image from a horse show. But don't forget that fog is moisture. Just because you can see it and it's moving around you, it's still moisture. So you want to protect your gear accordingly. But the thing about fog is that focus can be really tricky in the fog because you're, shoot you're just shooting through so much atmosphere. When I've done sessions in the fog, I have found that my distance to my subject is important for focus because 
the more distance between myself and my subject, the more atmosphere that is in between my subject and I that I'm shooting through, which means that they're going to be harder to see. They're going to be a little grainier. And the big piece of that is my focus is going to be harder to achieve. So you want to work really hard on making sure your focus is is happening correctly. This is a time when you want to get your camera out of auto mode and you need to probably put it over on manual mode because you're going to need to be in control of your settings. One of the things that I have found that happens in fog is that the light kind of gets thrown around in like a really weird, confusing way to the camera. So you might find that the camera is underexposing or overexposing your images. Overexposing is what I have mostly seen. So you have to be super careful because you're going to lose even more detail if that's happening. So Get your camera in manual mode and make sure that you're controlling your settings and taking control of the foggy situation. But I will say, once again, that fog is really fun for storytelling images. So think about, like here in Florida, we have certain times of year where it's pretty much guaranteed you're going to have a foggy morning. And you can also watch the weather for foggy conditions and plan for foggy condition shoots. And I would challenge you to look for a foggy morning and get yourself out there to take pictures in it and see what you see what you can come up with and see what you like and what you didn't like about shooting in those conditions and what kind of challenges that you had. Do you guys want to add anything to shooting in wet and moisture and fog that I didn't cover? No, I think you did a great job. All right, Phyllis, you get to talk about snow, snowfall, and cold, which is so important because we're getting ready to head to the snow. And I've never shot in snow before, so I'm going to be taking notes. (laughs) Well, you guys have covered a whole lot of basic tips about taking care of your camera gear. But first off, I'm going to talk about shooting tips in snowy, wintry, beautiful, white-covered landscapes <laughs> with horses running in them, of course. You want to use your the right camera settings for winter photography. If you're shooting a snowy scene, you want to compensate by increasing your camera's exposure by around one stop. The exact amount will vary depending on the amount of snow and light you have. A blanket of snow can really brighten up a landscape, so it will fool your camera's meter into thinking it's brighter than it really is. When this happens, you want to, like I said, the camera's meter may indicate a correct exposure or what it thinks is a correct exposure when, in fact, the image will be underexposed. Snow in an underexposed image will look gray or dingy instead of white. So when you're out shooting, take time to check the images on the LCD screen and use your histogram. If you don't know how to read a histogram, learn how if you're going to shoot in snow because it's really important. It can really, really make a difference in your images and how they come out as far as the exposure goes. I know I've had some people ask about white balance. I personally prefer to do my fine tuning of the white balance in Adobe Camera Raw on my computer. I have had some people tell me that you can set your white balance manually and start out around 6,500K and then make adjustments as necessary with that. I've even had people say that they use the flash setting on their white balance presets. So maybe play around with that if you want and see which one works for you. Like I said, personally, I prefer to do mine in post and Adobe Camera Raw. A lot of that is just starting out with the right exposure settings too, getting your scene exposed correctly. Sometimes, hopefully, we're going to have some falling snow, (laughs) and that can be a little bit more challenging than just a snowy scene. So you may need to change your focus to manual focus if you have falling snow, because sometimes you're 
camera is going to be fooled, it's going to want to focus on the falling snow instead of your actual subject. So keep that in mind too. And when you have falling snow, you can shoot a little differently here too. If you don't have a subject that's moving, you might want to add a little ambiance to your images and shoot on a little bit slower shutter speed to show more of the snow falling. If you do have, of course, a horse running or something, you want to bump that shutter speed up to freeze the motion of the snow and the, and the subject. I wasn't really going to talk that much about how to dress for snow. I think we all kind of know how to do that. Just layer, layer, layer. Thermal base layers is really important. Don't wear like cotton or that kind of thing because it doesn't dry out very well. A really good hat that covers your ears and good gloves is something we're always talking about. There is a site called, it's us.photographygloves.com that has done a lot of research on photography gloves that I would highly suggest you to go to and check that out because they have lots of different price points and they even have the liners that you can buy, which I, I do use liners under my winter gloves. Do you find that the liners do okay with the touchscreen? Like, are you able to do all of the things with the liners? Because I noticed that the liners, the fingers, you can't take your finger out of them. If you're wearing liners, unless you buy the particular kind, which I don't know, I don't have any liners that are acclimated to the touchscreen. So yeah, that would be more your outer layer would be for the touchscreens than the liners. I know a lot of the really good gloves they're selling now, they do have the fingers that are ready for the touchscreen. Now I'm going to move on to camera tips, which Kara's kind of already talked about acclimating your gear. And it's not a whole lot different for snow than what she talked about, other than we, like she said, about 30 minutes before heading out to shoot, set your camera bag with the camera and lenses in an outside place to get your gear acclimated. If you don't allow time for the gear to acclimate, the lens is going to fog up and you won't be able to start shooting. So that's very similar to what Kara has the issues with. Oh, so that happens in the snow too? It can, yes. Well, if you're going from a heated place to a very cold place, yes, that can happen. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite thing. You know, you're not going from air conditioning to hot. You're going from heat to cold. When coming back inside after being outside shooting in the cold for a while, you need to really take precautions even more so, I think, then because your camera has gotten so cold at that point. I like to carry either a gallon-sized Ziploc bag but most of the time, if I'm shooting with long lenses, that's not going to fit. My gear is not going to fit in there. I usually, what I used to do when I was photographing wildlife or something, I would actually take a big garbage bag and ziplock it around my whole lens and my camera. I'd leave it on the tripod and actually leave it sitting outside someplace safe where it's not going to get banged or, you know, especially if I was just going inside to use the restroom or warm up for a minute, I'd leave my whole gear sitting outside someplace safe before I would go back out to shoot. So, but if you're bringing it inside, you can also place the camera and lens in the bag and seal it up. If you don't, this will cause the condensation to form on the outside of the bag instead of on your gear. So another option is you could just put everything in your camera bag. When you get inside, place the bag, but don't bring it in and set it in front of the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. Keep it, you know, someplace, maybe if there's a mud room or something, place it in the bag in a cooler place so everything inside can warm up slowly. And I would give it an hour or so, at least an hour, maybe even two, depending on how cold it got, for the gear inside to reach room temperature before removing it from the bag. Don't take your lens off until it's fully dry. Otherwise, you're going to give moisture an extra opportunity to get inside the camera's workings. I think this is a good one too, is before you do all this and before you put everything 
seal it up. Remove your camera card, your memory card from your camera before placing everything in the bag. That way you'll have your card to start downloading and editing images right away while the rest of your gear is stashed away and warming up. So keep that in mind too, that if you want to work, go ahead and get that out before you put everything up. Basically, other things are kind of no-brainers, like take spare batteries with you outside and keep them warm, and a pocket next to your body is, is fine. If you are using the heat packs, don't put them directly right next to your batteries. You know, make sure that the batteries are separate from the heat packs. Use a good camera bag, obviously, that offers protection from the elements and has good padding. You can also take a photographer's air blower to blow snow off the lens as needed instead of using a cloth, which can possibly even melt the snow, and then you don't want that condensation on your lens. So that's why I like an air blower better if you're outside shooting. I think that's pretty much the basics of everything for me. That was awesome. I learned some things. Do you happen to know, and I'm probably asking a question that we maybe we don't have an answer to, does the cold affect your memory at all? And like your memory cards, like is it damaging to your memory cards? Like if, because you mentioned take them out of your bags as before you put your camera in your bag and let it acclimate. Do either of you know that answer? I can look it up. I have never had an issue, and I've shot 20 below several times, northern lights, owls, <laughs> polar bears. And I've, the only time I've ever had an issue was when my camera was sitting on a tripod and I was shooting northern lights. So it was, we were doing long exposures and it was having to sit for a while. And it was, it was about 20 below. And I did have an issue with my camera. My camera froze up. I literally froze up, but I just took it, I sealed it up, took it back, let it sit inside the bag for a little bit before I took it inside. And like I said, just be careful you don't take it inside someplace really warm. I mean, take it inside, but, you know, don't put it next to the heater, don't put it next to the fire, you know, let it warm up on its own kind of gradually. And then it was fine. I mean, it didn't hurt anything. I have personally never had an issue with memory cards. They've always been good. So the answer I just got says the cold weather can affect the lifespan of your memory card. The lifespan. Yeah, of your memory card. It does mention the decrease in battery life, of course. And then the condensation can get in your memory cards as well when they're brought into a warm environment. It says that the moisture can then lead to card failure, damage the device, or corrode the contact strip, shortening the card's lifespan. It's recommended to keep moisture away from your camera, yada, yada, yada. It says, in memory cards, by not instantly bringing them inside a warm environment when it's cold outside. Instead, do what you suggested, which is put your gear into sealable plastic containers or Ziploc bags before taking them inside and leave them in a colder area. So that's basically what you said to warm up. So that is important for your memory cards as well. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And now I panicked. Great. <laughs> so Kara, if it brings you any solace, your operating temperature for your typical micro SD or drive is negative 40 Fahrenheit to a 185 Fahrenheit. So you've got a large, we aren't going to get negative 40. And speaking of that, I have washed my cards, my memory cards, and they're fine. Okay. So we don't recommend that at home. I've literally run them through a wash and dry cycle and they have been fine. That's insane. <laughs> Our trip next week is not anything like what I have experienced as far as shooting in the cold. If you're only out there in the daytime, I don't think it's going to be below the 20s in the daytime. Unless you're out at night, it might get down into single digits. But, you know, I don't think you're going to be out at night. You might be. I don't know. <laughs> 
And although I don't recommend sending your SD cards through the laundry, just know that if you do, they can survive. Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm sure that's not every time. They will survive. It's making me nervous. <laughs> it's all making me nervous, every bit of it. I've done it several times. Oh, God. <laughs> you play Russian roulette with your photography. I stick them in that little third pocket in my jeans and forget they're there. And then I'll be wearing that pair of jeans down the road and I'll be like, what is this thing in my jean pocket? And I'll pull it out and it's an SD card. And I'll be like, okay, I wonder where that came from. And I'll stick it in a camera and, or in a computer and be like, oh my, well, that was interesting. A sign you might have too many pictures when you don't know what's on your card that you found in your jeans that you just put on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, Kara, we might want to put that link to that photography glove place in the show notes, too. I will do my best to remember to do that. I've got that right here highlighted. And I actually just went and checked it out, too. See if there's anything there I have to have before next week. So, <laughs> anyway, okay, this was a great episode. I feel like I learned some things, and I feel more prepared for our next week's adventure at the Sea Lazy U for our Horses in the Snow Photographer's Getaway. Definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing both of you guys again. And yeah, just thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. We love hearing that people are out there listening and enjoying the episodes. You can find us online at cowgirlswithcameras.com, which is a great place to find out how you can join us at our upcoming 2024 events. And you can also find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at cowgirlswithcameras. So come over, say hello, let us know that you listened and join the conversation over there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cowgirls with Cameras. Don't let the laughter and learning stop here. Join our community on social media and be sure to visit our website for more opportunities to fulfill your photography goals. Head to cowgirlswithcameras.com. That's cowgirlswithcameras.com. See you next time.